0: was a man his name's Aaron and he had a master plan he had a friend his name's Merlin and that's where Welcome to another completely sunny episode of the complete story. I'm Chuck Crivanic, and uh, I'm here today without my sidekick Miles Jensen, who happens to be in Bogota, Colombia this week. But it is, but I do have the great pleasure of speaking today with Hillary Darnell, who's visiting all the way from somewhere in Missouri, or was that misery? <laughs> ah, I wasn't sure. Just that—that's a little joke there to get things started. <laughs>
1: Well, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I'll try to fill Miles' shoes, but also (laughs) that's the first time I've heard that song, and that was pretty great. (laughs) Yes.
0: Uh, I do. Uh, that's actually one of my original songs. I love writing music. So, and especially anything I can do to, to spread the joy about complete recovery is always a good thing. Yeah. So, Hillary, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're in the studio today.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So, the quick history is I'm uh, from Pennsylvania, born and raised. I went to school down south at South Carolina and took an internship for the summer in Colorado, and like some folks, when they um, find a place they love, so I spent 15 years there, and um, worked in two different industries, very different sports industry, and then made the shift to HR, and so spent um, spent a little more than a decade um, doing Talent acquisition and talent management, and then um, we decided, like a lot of people, did one of those. Let's talk about life and our life choices, and made some big decisions. And a year ago, we decided to move to Missouri so that my husband could take a job coaching college football there. My in-laws are there, and so my father-in-law there was at the school where he is, and so we've been there about a year. And I had started a role that for a very small startup, 100 100 people trying to get to 200 this year, and they were in a similar scenario where they were outsourcing all of their talent needs and they wanted to bring it in-house. And so I'd started there in January and had started building a team and transitioning from using a vendor RPO strategy to in-house. And I got a message from Merlin on LinkedIn and he kind of told me about this company. I had known that he left to start, to go back to starting, you know, working with this company that they started. And um, he said, he gave me kind of the spiel about what's going on, where you all are at at Complete, and said, if you tell me that you're interested, this is gonna move very fast. And he was not kidding. So <laughs> that was a not a long time ago, about a week after that conversation, we were having the conversation about, when am i going to start and when can we fly out and that was um about a week ago then so we're we're out here in salt lake visiting obviously the office getting to meet you and so i'm very excited to be yes. here yes
0: well we're we're i am personally super excited <laughs> that you're here but i think everybody who's met you so far because it, it did hap- things do tend to happen here very quickly um and things ch- tend to change very quickly too but what one thing i like about merlin and aaron is that when we look to bring somebody into the team every they get to meet with everybody
1: that has been a really great experience yes. the interview process was so wonderful it was fast um i got to meet with so many people and then even after the interview process it was i was even able to meet with several other people before flying out here just to you know make sure that I met the team, and obviously being here, being able to meet everybody in person, so it's been wonderful, and everybody's been very welcoming.
0: That's awesome. So you talked about t- and talent acquisition. T- yes. Tell me, give me some of your philo- give us some of your philosophy on talent acquisition. Yes.
1: Which um, my dad still says. Now, what does that mean again? So, of course, that's the <laughs> fancy way of saying recruiting. Um, but so, my philosophy on talent is is not going to be anything very crazy. It's simple. And what I mean by that is I think the simplest philosophy is talent, the people are our most important asset. It does not matter what company you're at, right? Large, small, our people are our most important asset. So I love to um, go out and find good talent. I love to find people that maybe are making a a move that's a non-traditional move that they, we can find kind of transferable skills so they can start in a, I I love to just find different career paths for folks, um, that are not kind of your standard. Let's start, let's call center, let's say, for example, let's start as an agent and move vertical. And that's a wonderful career path, but I also love the non-traditional one. So I love to find obviously great talent. Um, and the, I think, you can have great talent, but the other part of that is making sure they're in the right job, right? Yeah, so yeah. you can have a rock star if they're misplaced in a job that that can be, it, you, so you you get what I'm saying. So I love to find talent, get them in the right job. And then on the, obviously the second part of that is making sure that people are growing and developing. Mm-hmm. So even if you are happy in your role and you want to stay there forever, um, people still have a desire to... Um, grow, learn, and get better, and so that's a win-win for the company and the person. To challenge people, um, push them out of their comfort zone, so that they are developing as an employee, as a person, um, and then if they are promoted or do a, have a move internally, um, certainly that's a motivating factor for everybody. It's a win-win, and then um, you know everything is improving, right? Everything from employee reti- you know all this. Employee retention, employee satisfaction, all of the things, which means that they're going to be more productive, more successful, which means the company is more successful.
0: And Hillary, of course I know all this, but our <laughs> listeners don't. No, I'm just kidding. I, I know very little. I'm going to present a challenge to you okay. and tell me what you think. you got two candidates because yep. I always struggle with this. I've got two candidates. One, super talented, a lot of experience. The other one, not much experience, but appear to have all the right behaviors and a lot of potential? Which one do you you hire? Yeah.
1: Well, okay, very good question. There's two things I would say. One, if you, that, those two are, that's a great problem to have, that we have two people that are wonderful for the job. So first I would make sure we're looking at culture fit as well, right? So that would be, is that a deciding factor? Let's say they're both tied in that aspect as well if I had to make a choice, I would go with the candidate that is more green and has the potential to grow into that role, um, and has the behaviors and competencies, like you said. And the reason is I feel like there is a, if you are selected as a candidate for a role that you have, you're going to be growing into, maybe it's a stretch role. Um, I feel like people are more likely to Want, you know, I want to prove myself. I can do this. It's challenging. And they're really excited because it is something new to them and probably something that they've been wanting to do. And I would, the other candidate that's experienced and perfect for the role, um, of course, no one likes to get the feedback that you're overqualified, but I would say, let's find something for him or her that's a step up for them. Yeah. Again, to try to push people um, to grow. I just think- and I'm thinking about my experience right now to grow into a larger HR role. That's like, I mean, that's such a wonderful opportunity. Um, think about how much more motivated I think about how much more motivated I will be to do that role instead of doing a role that maybe I've been doing for the last 10 years and that I feel like maybe I've outgrown. So yeah. If I had to make a choice, that's the way I would go. <laughs>
0: no, I think that's a, a good way to... It's it's an analysis. And of course, I didn't tell you all the other facts, because that's the interesting thing about humans, right? There's so many factors. Multifaceted,
1: w- yes.
0: Where so, each person is so unique. So to throw out an example like that, it's like, well, tell me all about that person. Because even just... And that's what's fascinating about when you can try and connect with people is you got to talk to them, which brings me to another thing so i'm assuming like the rest of us with covid you went from t- talent acquisition in per everything was done in person yes to almost overnight everything was done virtually yes talk about the challenges there
1: yeah that's a great question cuz if if we really think about it interviewing is similar to a blind date right we're trying to um, get to know somebody in either thirty minutes, sixty minutes, yeah, speed dating, and that yeah, that can be <laughs> difficult. So I think the uh, there's there's plenty of things where we can improve on doing all of talent virtually. But of course, you want to make sure that if you are, if you can interview in person, you can. Let's say you can't. Um, certainly, we need to be on video, right? You can. Um, what do they say? Eighty or ninety percent of what you say um, isn't even the words that you're saying, right? It's all of the body language and your expression. So certainly would want to make sure you're on camera. Um, plus it helps to build that rapport. Um, so I think that, I mean, that would be number one. And also, um, I think making sure that folks are really, we can, we're interviewing again more for like that competency, the potential, and the culture fit um, versus the experience. And and I do believe you can do all of that virtually, right? You can yeah. get there um, because the other thing is, if the person is going to be working remote, um, certainly we'd want to make sure that they, um, you know, are able to communicate and have the ability to kind of be presenting on camera. So that would be even part of it as well. If you're, you might might as well interview somebody in the same environment that they will be working every day right so there's plenty more that i could add to that but i i think that's where i would start and then um uh go from there but yeah we've we've been able obviously everyone's had to do it there's no there's no option to do it otherwise at least for in the beginning of covid so certainly have been able to make it work and um i it was uh i think like anybody else we probably would have wanted more time to prepare going into that but yeah we um it's been it's been great doing this virtually.
0: Awesome. Um, now I like to hear stories, so I want you to think about two stories. This is a, and this is okay. my behavioral interviewing <laughs> technique too. Uh, tell me about one of your what, what you would consider one of your biggest successes in talent development, and then perhaps some a biggest mistake you ever made in talent development.
1: Okay, absolutely. So I would say. One of the biggest wins we had is we had a group of frontline um, frontline employees that were really kind of experiencing um, in the HR world kind of all of the things: new hire turnover, overall turnover, employee engagement, employee satisfaction. I mean, all of the things, right? Were, were we had a challenge with them, and so we worked. I, I worked with um, the leader of that team, and also partnered with our HR business partner of the time. And we looked at everything um, from the second that we engage with them on the in the recruiting process, and we really took we we really tried to focus on the first ninety days. Of course, if if you, you could focus on the entire employee life cycle, but that's where we decided to start. Yeah. Um, and so we did an overhaul of everything. And a couple of the things that we did that I think really um, a- aligned well and, and was a contributing factor to the success of this project was we just started from scratch on everything. What does success look like in this role? And this is where we really tried to move from a frontline role we we were saying at the time we want them to have one to two years experience in the field in this role we want xyz and we just said scratch all of that we're going to focus on the competencies the character of the person their potential for this role and and truly we don't care if they've ever what their work experience is right i mean we have people that are hugely successful in sales that one of our top performing salesperson came from Waffle House as a cook. So this was a different function, but you get the idea. Very um, not focusing on their experience. Um, and then, and actually one of the things, that was not well received. I'm sure you can imagine, especially in the beginning when I pitched that. And so one of the things that we, we where we were able to kind of make that, um, can influence them to to buy into this idea was, I sat around with all of these frontline leaders and of course they're tenured, they're, they're wonderful. And I said, um, raise your hand if you started on the front line. Of course, they all raised their hand. Said so now, raise your hand if you started with two years experience in this role. And I think one person raised their hand. So that, that made made it applicable to them in a real life scenario. And then it coupled that with the data that says, hey, if you really focus on people's their their competencies and who they are, that's gonna be much more um, that's gonna be much more likely to contribute to future success than a resume. So that was part of it. Um, yeah. So we looked at kind of what does is, what is a su- success profile look like for these candidates? We looked at um, our our onboarding. We looked at how we are um, engaging with folks through the talent process. And one of the other things is we really started to say, okay, now you frontline leaders, supervisors, you play a huge role in this, right? As talent and recruiting, sure, the candidates are excited to hear from us, um, but the leader is the person that they will be working for, of course, and, and that's going to be kind of their work family, right? And so yeah. we really said, hey, just because the interview process is over, there are times when you go from, as a frontline leader, interview, and once that's done, you don't talk to the candidate again until they arrive on site their first day. So we changed that and said, we're going to have have you start to build this relationship before day one. And of course, there's tons of things that are important to onboarding. Um, And even again, even before day one to make sure they feel like they're part of the family. So we just looked at every um, aspect from, again, that first initial touch point until the 90 days overhauled training, made it less of a classroom environment and said, we're going to say, here's you're going to learn something in the classroom and then you're going to immediately go in the field and apply it. then you're going to go back to the classroom, learn something else and apply it in the field. So it broke up the um, monotony of being in the classroom for a long period, extended period of time. And of course we know when you say you learn something, what is it you, you, you know, learn, do teach right in that order. So it, it helped with the, of course the, um, the comprehension of the information knowledge that they were getting. So we just looked at everything. Um, anyway, so that was huge success story because the challenge that we got from our executive team was, you know, we need to have um, specifically turnover decreased performance improved. And then the time in which it takes for somebody to be productive, they wanted that Producing. to decrease. So all of, the, again, all of the things And you did all that, we did all that. So it was great. Awesome. I mean, again, we just looked at the person versus, um, we want somebody that checks these boxes because the, the person is, people are, as you said, multifaceted yeah. and that's, a resume is not going to give you what you all of what you need, especially in a frontline role.
0: Yeah. it's a, I, It reminded me earlier in my career, we used to, at one of my previous employers, we used to require a high school diploma to work there. And then we partnered with a high school that had a, uh it was called the academy of travel and tourism and i went to the leadership and we said why do we require a high school diploma we clearly these kids if it's a sharp high school Mm -hmm. kid and so we started we just eliminated that and i think that's what it takes sometimes is to uh, continuously challenge ourselves and say Mm why
1: i challenge the status quo right it's we all uh, this is kind of a common saying but Just because we've always done it that way doesn't mean we should be doing it that way. And in in our world, HR and talent, you are not going to be successful if you don't continually challenge the status quo and evolve because people are evolving and we need to keep up with them.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the big things. One of our big changes here was that we totally embraced remote work even though people started coming back into the workplace and it's made a huge difference. Um, Now you're going to tell me one of your biggest I would say mistakes, but you know what we we like to say here is that there's no... I had a boss said, there's no such thing as a mistake. It's a learning. Anytime you make a mistake, and I share this with classes, I say, as long as you don't keep making the same mistake over and over again, then it's learning.
1: Okay, very good question. So in the... <laughs> it's always fun to talk about this, right? But But honestly, yeah, I think a lot of people will also say... Like athletes or super successful CEOs, whatever it is, they've learned more from their mistakes than their successes, right? So we know that. But when I was very new in my um, talent career, I had a role, and it was kind of my first leadership role, right? So I was, all of a sudden, I'm making decisions, and I'm in charge of things, and that's a really big responsibility, of course. We had the challenge of hiring direct sales representatives, um, which... This is, I'm talking, what was this, maybe 10 years ago. And these are folks that are knocking on doors, right? Trying to sell a product. So a pretty antiquated role, um, but it was still bringing us a significant amount of our sales revenue at the time. Um, Anyway, so it's a very challenging role to fill. Um, because you get door slammed in your face and you have to really be able to take rejection. So anyways, we were challenged with, listen, we want to grow this team. When a lot of companies were kind of downsizing that specific team, we wanted to grow. So um, I forget the numbers, but I think it was somewhere around, you need to hire a hundred folks in two months. And I mean, and this was in one specific region. This wasn't across the country, right? So that was And I mean, I think that the entire team was 100 people at the time. So it was like double the team, two months. And we called it Project Unicorn because we were like, is this even possible? (laughs) So anyways, what we decided to do um, was we had an assessment at the time, pre-employment assessment, which is pretty common. Um, And it was supposed supposed to be specifically for our role, like created for this role, um, at the company I was in. And again, supposed to be a predictor of all of the things as far as success and, you know, ramp up time and all of that. Um, so we decided to take a gamble on what if we just, the time commitment to do all of these interviews was, I mean, people would have been working seven days a week. I I mean, it was going to be crazy. So let's take a gamble on what if we just say, if you have scored a certain number on this assessment, we're going to, we're going to take a chance on you. And so we did that, which is, I mean, that is especially think about 10 years ago to think about no interview. I mean, we so we did have a conversation with them beforehand, like let's talk about the job, ask me questions, that kind of thing. But as far as a formal interview, we were not doing that. Yeah. Um and that was anyways, huge gamble. Um, so what I would say is I what I learned from that is we were able to to meet the numbers. Very surprisingly, our new hire turnover did not increase. It stayed flat. But the challenge was really on that culture fit. We weren't able to meet people ahead of time. They weren't able to get to know the company, feel like a part of the family. I mean, think about that's such a, uh, I mean, in talent, you want to have like a personalized approach. People want to feel like you know, they are being treated not as a number, but as a human. And this was the definition of treating somebody like a number on a spreadsheet. So it was not a very high touch process. And so anyways, it just, I would, I would never do that again. And it was something that, uh, obviously kind of a, there's a numbers game at the time. Right. Yeah. So, so certainly learned from that. But I
0: think there is a certain, having, been involved with recruiting over the years there is a certain element i used to always challenge people there's quality versus quantity and speed yes and you can only choose two of those yes right so (laughs) what do you what do we really want here and and sometimes that's the challenge but yeah Yeah. looking for new creative ways to do that let's switch things up (laughs) a little now that you've told me a few stories tell me about uh your your athletic pursuits so you did say you were in that's your career started oh, yes. out like within sport like events it was, was yes it
1: not? yeah so I mean I just was um, always loved sports growing up and played a little bit of everything um, by the time I was in high school I was focusing on soccer and tennis anyway so I just have always been a huge sports fan I mean to the point where when I was deciding what college to go to I'm like a huge college football fan so my my dad and I drove down to South Carolina and we go through the tour and all of that, that's great. And we drive up to the stadium and I just was like, a, I mean, felt like a kid, like, oh my, this is this is amazing. And um, so that was literally one of the factors of deciding of where to go to school of like, yeah. I wanna be a part of something really big and exciting. So anyways, that um, led me to major in sports management. And again, at the time, this was oh, 2002, so 20 years ago, this was not a very common Major uh, even offered at a lot of schools, but essentially it was the uh, similar to getting a degree in business, but having it focused in sports business. So, um, so I got my degree, and then my internship that I said I moved out to Colorado for was working for a company that did, um, different tournaments all across the country, but they were based in Denver, Colorado. So we did three v three soccer tournaments, three on three basketball, and then lacrosse we added later, and so uh, we added flag football later, but the main events were basketball and soccer. So I was hired to be an intern for the soccer part of the, um, the company. And then, uh, a couple of us got offers to stay on full-time. So I stayed on full-time, did that for six years, but let me tell you six years doesn't sound like a long time, but the average lifespan of an event director at this company was two years. I mean, the, it was, think about when our soccer tournament's happening in the summer, right? So, and by the way, Colorado's beautiful, beautiful in the summer. And I didn't enjoy it for my first, or I didn't get the opportunity to even be there for the first six years. So we would be on the road a hundred percent of the time from about May to the end of August. So basically September, and you're just traveling from city to city doing these. It was so fun, so much fun and also hard and, and long days. And, you know, three, waking up at 3am on Saturday when your friends are sleeping in and all of that fun stuff. But, um, it was really wonderful because I got to literally, you're almost like a small, now maybe not this extreme, but small business owner in the sense that I'm so young and green in my career and I'm in charge of marketing and logistics and sponsorship and the budget and hiring everything from beginning to end. So I'm very grateful for that experience for kind of the well-rounded experience I got. Again, a small company, you think about you're wearing a lot of hats at a large company, you're probably more specialized in what you're doing. So it was just really great opportunity. And, um, that's what got me the, the role. I was a recruiter saw the the transferable skills from an event director to a project manager. And that's how I got into HR. So it was just a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how careers develop. And yeah. And all that. <laughs> uh, tell me about what you like to do when you're not at work.
1: Okay, yeah. So um, I married someone that also really loves sports. So yeah, we are. Um, and he's a football coach. And so the football, certainly a big part of our lives. Um, and of course, you know, if you have a spouse that works in it, that's, it's just, it's going to be a big part of your life. Right. But, um, so certainly love, you know, spending time with my family. I have a daughter that just turned five, two weeks ago. So that's a lot of fun. It's a very fun age. And, um, my family's still out East. So, I, uh, we travel quite a bit to go see them. They're in Pennsylvania and Florida. Um, but yeah, and then we just spent 15 years in Colorado. So we're big at, in hiking, skiing and all those things. So, um, and then we just like a lot of people, we love to travel. I'm much more likely to spend, any disposable income I have on a plane on ticket, then, um, you know, and I'll I'll buy my clothes at Target so I can buy the plane ticket. So I, you know, I, that's that's where my interest lies. So that's where I'll invest my time yep, and we money. We all
0: have our priorities exactly, I'll and I'll spend my money on guitars exactly.
1: <laughs> and that's your, you know. That's your choice, right? That's the good thing about that, so.
0: Luckily, I've kept it uh, under check uh, for a little bit. So you say you you just have the one daughter?
1: Yes, just Uh. the one. Well, hopefully she's not gonna be an only child forever, but yeah, we'd because my goodness, she's definitely an only child. She also is old enough to ask for a sibling. I mean, she asks all the time. When am I gonna get a baby sister, so. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, (laughs) now,
0: uh, I don't wanna keep you too long, but now is the part in the podcast called Chuck's Fast Five. Okay. Oh, that's a problem. There we go. <laughs> the crowd goes wild for this. What? Okay, this is what Chuck's Fast Five is, let me tell you. It's where I give you five pairs of words, and you have to pick the first one that comes to your mind. Okay. No explanations. There's no right or wrong answer. So I
1: pick the pair that.
0: No, you're gonna pick one. I'm gonna give you a pair of words, and you're gonna pick one of them. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 So let's let's try it out and see how you do. Hot dog or hamburger? Hamburger. Okay, that's a good. But one. with
1: cheese, so cheeseburger. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, there you go. Uh, let's see. Uh, trains or planes? Planes. Yeah, it's quicker. Although uh,
1: trains, they all have out are larger seats they all have power and you know outlets so there's a couple perks but certainly planes
0: i once took the train <laughs> from salt lake to chicago and it was miserable
1: oh gosh well that's a long place. we even have when, a
0: sleeper car but no it, yeah that's so that's small.
1: too long yeah. when you're in like in pennsylvania and philly it's very common it's a wonderful way to travel to beat the traffic but certainly planes i would choose over
0: okay, over them let's see here uh let's see merlin's just bugging me through the window now um (laughs) rap or rock rock okay that was that was our third one yes it was um simon or garfunkel simon okay that's a good choice and finally uh the beaches or the mountains
1: Oh gosh, this is hard. I'm going to say the mountains, but I it, they're very closely tied for me.
0: Oh, that's a very good answer
1: considering we're here in South yeah, Lake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's actually not common. When you say when you give that option to most people, I'm going to guess they're going to say beaches.
0: Yes, that is true. <laughs> I would have even though I live here, I would have sea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although water kind of scares me a little bit too. I don't know what it is about it.
1: Well, there's still it's beaches are still wonderful to look at.
0: Yeah, yes they are, and sit on the sand and stuff. Yeah. Well, Hillary, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. This has been fun. Uh, hopefully, we will do it again uh, soon.
1: Yeah. Thank <laughs> you for having me.
0: But uh, we're gonna t- we're gonna let you get back to your day. I think you got a big lunch planned and stuff. So I uh, just want to let everybody out there know that this been this has been the complete story, and we're sticking to it. Oh wait, that's not the. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> Perfect. It's made up of